Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Collateral damage. <clears throat> Collateral damage is the nothing personal phrase of the day. I couldn't get a word, so I had to do a phrase. Now, here's the story. There is a Chinese city called Xi'an in China. It's one of those small cities that you've never heard of that has probably 20 million people. And recently, they have seen an unprecedented number of divorce appointments at the courthouse. And it is all due to the quarantine from coronavirus and the forced home confinement. So let me tell you what's happening in China. Everybody's home. There's nowhere they can go. They look at each other 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they say, you know what? I'd rather have the virus than be married to you. So the minute they can leave, they go and they file for divorce. Unprecedented numbers. Collateral damage of coronavirus is the divorce rate in Xi'an, China. Well, this is your daily coronavirus update. My name is David Sampson. Welcome to Nothing Personal. If you're watching on CBS Sports HQ, you may be tired of daily coronavirus updates, but guess what? They are going to be part of your life every day for the foreseeable future. It's not that we're on the way down from this epidemic, pandemic, virus, sniffles. We are actually on the way up. You've seen it reflected in the markets, and you're using this show as an escape. So I'm here to provide you with a nothing personal CBS Sports HQ escape from coronavirus. I'm not going to talk about it at all until I've done 15 minutes of this show. 15 minutes, but it's stuff you have to hear. Are you aware that the Japanese Professional Baseball League has postponed the debut of the major league season? They were supposed to start their season. They have now delayed it. It's not that they're going to play not in front of fans. They actually said, we're not playing at all. That's Japan. You've got Italy. Italy has now canceled all sporting events through the beginning of April. This isn't playing in front of fans. This is period. You saw the fake high fives. There were skeleton high fives given by Juventus. Did I get that right, Coca? Juventus played in front of no fans in Syria. Ah, zero fans. Not good enough. Now the games are canceled. The NHL, in an unprecedented move that I could only dream about when I was in a major league clubhouse, has shut down all clubhouses to members of the media. Anybody who wants to meet the media or if the media is going to get an interview, they're going to do it in a press conference room. No one allowed in the clubhouse. Of course, the clubhouse is full of people having nothing to do with the on-field team. You've got trainers, you've got coaches, you've got front office people, you've got various cleaning people, clubhouse managers, assistant clubhouse managers, chefs, security. The media is a small contingent of the people in the clubhouse. So I'm not exactly sure what the NHL was doing. You've got the NBA, who's going to have a league-wide meeting in the coming days. You've got Major League Baseball, which is having a league-wide meeting today. 
All of this is about coronavirus. Will events get canceled or not? That is the question. And we're starting to see the possibility that actual sports events are going to get canceled. First time in the United States, over on the West Coast, Indian Wells, there was a cancellation of the tennis tournament that is upcoming called the BNP Paribas. Yes, I'm going to give him some love, because if you're going to be associated to Nadal and Federer, you're now associated to a canceled tournament because of coronavirus. Is this all too much? Is there now an instance of copycat that's going on? Well, if they canceled it, that means we have to cancel it. If they're not letting fans in, we have to think about not letting fans in. What leagues are doing is they are relying on the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC. The problem is no one really knows. What do you do? They say wash your hands. You should be washing your hands anyway. You can't find sanitizer anywhere. You should have bought it earlier. You can protect yourself by making smart decisions. You don't have to stay off the subway. You don't have to not go to work. You have to stay home only if you're sick. If there is travel that you're doing that is not mandatory for your job, don't do it. Make it an excuse not to go to a meeting you don't want to go to. But for a sports league, and we are entertainment. The James Bond movie, for crying out loud, delayed its opening until November because of coronavirus. But that was a business decision. That wasn't because of the spread of the virus. They delayed it because everyone in Asia, which is a huge part of your worldwide box office, those movie theaters are closed. So they didn't delay it to try to stop the spread of coronavirus. They delayed it to make sure that they did not have a flop on their hands for Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. In sports, it's totally different. We're not trying to protect against spreading the disease inside our ballparks. We're trying to make sure that keeping people out who have it. So here's my suggestion for all the leagues, and this is what I would be doing. I would do what we had to do when we went to China. They stick something on your forehead that takes your temperature. If you have a certain temperature, you're not allowed in China. I would let the show go on. Let the games go on. Everyone has to go through a metal detector anyway. Let's get heat sensors in. And if anyone has a fever of over a buck two, you pull them to the side, you give them their money back, you send them home. Anyone who's healthy, you know that they're not going to spread it. Let them in. Put extra sanitizers all over, extra soap everywhere. Make sure that everyone's actually wearing gloves, who's preparing the food. There's tons of things you can do once your sporting event is underway. I think it would be an absolute nightmare if sporting events were canceled. I want to bring you back to post 9-11. That's 19 years ago now when we were forced to cancel baseball games in what at the time was the largest terrorist attack on domestic soil. I was a part of that decision making. I was there in Milwaukee for an owner's meeting and it was very serious, obviously. I was with Bud Selig and Rob Manford and we had no idea what to do. We were in touch with the White House. We were in touch with senators and congressmen. We knew that obviously there was something much bigger going on. This is before the towers even fell the morning of 9-11. The point is we had to cancel games because at that time in our history, There was no chance that we could have proper security for our fans. There was no way that we could take police officers, fire rescue, first responders, and have them at all monitoring fans when they need to be monitoring the the city or the state or the area where people are who aren't attending games. 
Travel at that time was shut down. The, the skies were literally shut down of planes. That's when you cancel games. For a pandemic like this, and yes, we're going to call it a pandemic, there are 10 things that we could do instead of going right to cancellation. And the reason I'm so against cancellation, even though I'm afraid that it's becoming inevitable, the reason I'm so against it is it becomes, as a president of a team, when I see other people do it, I'm a copycat. I look around and say, uh-oh, I call my lawyer, hey, they're canceling an event here. If I don't cancel an event and someone gets coronavirus and it can be pinned to our ballpark, do I have liability? Is there any exposure, pun intended, is there any exposure that I would have? Those are the types of questions that we should be talking about, not whether or not it's actually going to be postponed or whether games are going to be played without fans. I mean, LeBron, LeBron already came out, uh, you know, I love LeBron. He's the second best player who ever played basketball behind Michael Jordan. He's got a good chance to win the MVP and the title. Wait to see. He said he would not play games in front of fans. I only play for the fans. I loved LeBron a lot more when he would watch his quotes, and he's pretty good about it. Remember the whole Daryl Morey China thing? He had a very measured quote after a long period of silence. I don't like that he said, number one, I ain't playing. I want him to use correct grammar. I want him to be an example. I'm not playing. I don't want to play. I don't want him saying, I ain't playing. That's not English. Do better, LeBron. Then you say you don't want to play because you only play for fans. Well, we sort of know that's not true. We sort of believe that your endorsements and your annual contract may be something you play for as well. So how about going public and saying this? The reason why I would prefer not to play without fans is I love the energy provided by the people in L.A. and wherever we play on the road. I love the feeling of the crowd noise and of people excitedly coming to games and enjoying my entertainment. However, if it is safer to play not in front of fans, then I'm going to play my best for everyone at home watching on TV, for everyone who's quarantined, everyone who has two and a half hours a day where I can make them forget about the reality of their 401k plan, the reality of the market going down, the reality of their businesses hurting, the reality of life. I will make them forget by playing for two and a half hours as hard as I can, even if no people are there. Why wouldn't that have been a nicer thing for LeBron to say? Sometimes I wish that he had better advisors. So Rob Manford did something, and, and we touched on it to start the show, and, and I, I just want to mention how important this is, and it's not a big deal to, if you're not listening to nothing personal, but if you're tuned in and you're on CBS Sports HQ watching or downloading on YouTube, thank you, however you're enjoying this show. Rob Manford has called, and other leagues are following suit, an emergency owners meeting to discuss the coronavirus. That is not a small task. Owners meetings are four times a year, and they are held in four different cities, and everyone gets together in the same room. You have committees meet. It's when the media comes. You've seen a lot of HQ covering the NFL owners meetings, sometimes even the MLB owners meetings. That's when there's business to be done, no matter what, four times a year. When Rob calls an ownership call outside of those meetings, you know that you've got one of two things. One, there's a team about to be sold. That's not the case now. Or you've got some information that you've got to share that you know if you do it by memo will get leaked first and you want to control the message. 
So Rob Manford is going to pick up the phone and have a call with owners today, and he's going to talk about the coronavirus. And this is exactly what I would do if I were Rob. I would be telling the the teams, and I would be forcing them, not asking the way they did when they extended netting back in the day a few years ago when people were getting pelted by foul balls, and the commissioner's office said, hey, we're not going to make you extend the nettings, but we have a suggested amount that the netting should be extended. That was all done by lawyers. That was all about litigation. That was all about people getting hit in the head with balls, foul balls, suing teams and baseball. That's why they had to be very careful what the messaging was and what the rules were. This is a very similar example. Is it out of the question that someone could sue baseball for getting the coronavirus by going to a game? Is it a winning suit? No. Is it absolutely proven beyond a shadow of a doubt? Criminal is beyond a reasonable doubt. Civil is beyond a preponderance of the evidence, which means that there are an overwhelming amount of evidence that you can show that you actually got coronavirus by going to Yankee Stadium. I don't want to take any chances if I'm the commissioner. I'm making sure that we've got signs that are posted around the ballpark, at the food concession stands, in every restroom, that every usher, ticket taker, every employee is wearing gloves, not a mask, gloves. I'm making sure there's sanitizer for all fans to avail themselves of. I'm making sure that we are practicing safe corona. That's the word that I want to coin right now. It's called safe corona. You know exactly where that comes from. Practice safe corona. I think it's something that you should always do. People make fun of me. I carry around with me. People who know me, what I'm showing you if you're not watching this, is my cucumber melon hand sanitizer. I don't need CBS to drop hand sanitizer on my desk by the gallon. I have my own, and I use it every day I always have. It turns out that people aren't laughing now because I bought this for $1.75, and on Amazon, I could sell it for $10.75 right now because they're out of it. Guess what? It's not for sale, but I have hundreds of them. I'm a hoarder. And I would make sure that everyone in our ballpark had the ability to always be clean. The next thing I would do if I were Rob Manford, after my call with the owners, I'm meeting the media. I don't want anything leaked to the media the way it always does. I would always talk to the commissioner. I would say, why is it that leaks happen? And he answered, and we both knew it. We were both stating the obvious. He would say, leaks happen because people feel like they're important when they are sources in a story or when they give an internal memo to media, it makes them feel good. I get it. I leaked plenty of stuff not relating to the league. I leaked it related to the team. I leaked things related to contract offers and to trades and to things we were doing with players. I didn't do it to become important. I did it because it gave me an advantage because I wanted to get information from that member of the media or I wanted other teams to read that leak. But a memo ray coronavirus, I would have no interest in ever leaking because there's no upside to me. There's no advantage that I can have. But in Major League Baseball, like in every sport, these memos get leaked. Any written correspondence gets leaked every time. So I want the commissioner to get in front of this and call up a few members of the media, not just MLB.com, but a few members of the media and explain what went on. Because as sure as I'm sitting here today in front of you, Word will get out to the media what goes on during that call. And if it doesn't come from the league, it'll come from a team, a person who was on that call. Who will, so you're then getting it second or third hand. 
That's the problem with coronavirus. We don't have a concerted pinpoint response to this. We've got different people talking. We've got different people speculating. We've got alarms going off. We have people panicking. We have a run on supplies. They're fighting over toilet paper in Australia. Explain that to me, please. It's the coronavirus. It's not Montezuma's revenge. Why are you fighting over toilet paper? This is what we have to stop. And when you're running a sports team, we have a platform. We have a way to do it. It's up to you, Rob. Get it done. I know you can. Justin Verlander. We have an update for Verlander. Um, Let me tell you how it works with a pitcher. Uh, Again, because the Astros are not being forthcoming at all. When a pitcher comes out of a game, we always would get a call from the trainer. We're watching the game in the box. So we would see, and we'd actually know if a pitcher were hurt before a pitcher comes out of the game. We're looking at release points. We're looking at velocity. We're looking at pitch selection. If there's a pitcher throwing fastballs and a breaking ball count, breaking balls and a fastball count, if there's a pitcher shaking off a catcher and then throwing a pitch that should not be thrown in that specific situation, if a guy who throws 94 to 96 is throwing 91 to 93, if the release point is different, we are aware of it. We are aware. Justin Verlander in his second spring training start was due to go four innings. Two innings in, he was throwing 91-93 instead of 95-97. They pull him out after two innings. He complained of tricep soreness. So we would get the call, and the call would say from the trainer, listen, it's triceps. It's something with his triceps. And they would say, we would say MRI. He would go get the MRI, and we would get the results immediately. I've said this before on HQ. I'm going to say it again every day if I have to. Don't let a major league franchise or any franchise tell you that they don't have the results of the MRI yet. I've said it. Say it with me. Everybody, they get the results the minute the player is out of the tube. The minute. Literally. The minute. They don't wait three days like you and I under Medicare. They get it right then and there. But the Astros said we don't have information. Well, now they do, and now they announced it. It's a mild lat strain. So for those of you listening, the lat is sort of the big muscle in your back, on your side, back, below your ribs. Suffice it to say that it hurts when you've got a mild lat strain. It's only mild when it's not your lat. When it is your lat, it is major. And it is super hard to even get through the day, forget pitching in a major league game. But again, the Astros couldn't go all the way. They couldn't learn from their past mistakes and just be honest. Say Justin Verlander has a mild lat strain. We're shutting him down. He will not be available opening day. Just say it. Because instead they said, we're shutting him down. We're not sure about opening day. It's not fair. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to Zach Greinke, who's going to start opening day. Let him get used to it. that fact now. For Justin Verlander, if you shut him down for 10 days, he then has to come back, he has to throw a bullpen, then he has to start a game. Five days later, he has to start another rehab game where he can go four innings. Five days later, another one where he can maybe go five innings, get to 100 pitches. Five days later, then you're talking about maybe. 25 days from today is March 34th. I believe the earliest he will be available is March 34th. Now, The season starts on March 26th. 
34 minus 26 is 8. That has him missing 8 days. The injured list is 15 days. He will start on the injured list, and if all goes well, he's got a good chance to be back soon after the first 15 days of the season have passed. So look for 15 days patched past March 26th, which would be March 41st. That's around when I think Verlander's back. It's a lat strain. No opening day. Be honest, Harold Click. By the way, stranger than fiction. Barry Bonds is back in the news, and that's good news for me. I love when Barry's in the news because I get to talk about him and talk about him as a man and him as a player. Him as a coach. It's something else. He gave a huge interview, and it's like the world stopped spinning on its axis. He spoke to The Athletic, which is an outstanding service, and he gave an interview, and the writer thought he'd talk for two minutes. He ended up talking for an hour about himself, about hitting, and there was a huge epiphany that made big news. The epiphany is that Barry Bonds said, I feel MLB has given me the death sentence. He talked about the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame. He talked about the fact that he is not really involved on the field. He's a special assistant to the CEO named Larry Bear in, actually, Larry Bear used to be the CEO. He may not be anymore. We got to check that, actually, because he had that problem where he was suspended. He's still involved with the Giants, but he does corporate sort of uh, meet and greets, we call them. We would get alums. We'd pay him a few shekels. We'd have him come, sign some autographs, take some pictures. That's what Barry Bonds basically does. Come to spring training, put on the uni for a couple of the days. But once the season starts, sayonara, come to the corporate sponsor lunch, and that's it. And Barry was upset about that. So I have a suggestion to you, Barry. You had an owner named Jeffrey Loria who gave you a chance. He let you become a hitting coach over the objection of every single baseball person in the organization of the Marlins, over the objection of the team president, namely me. He paid you an obscene amount of money to be a hitting coach. You were overpaid and you know it. You were overpaid so much that we had to pay you on the side. That's how overpaid you were. Breaking news. And you knew it. Why is it then that when you were the hitting coach that we saw you napping in the coach's room? Why is it that you were not the first one there, that you were not working as hard as you could to be the best hitting coach possible? I get why it's going to be hard to be impactful. I get it, Barry, because you are so good. Your hand-eye is so good. You're the best hitter who ever lived. I always said the best players can't be coaches, both in baseball, basketball, because you see the game in a way that other players don't see it. You can't say to a young hitter, how come you can't see the fact that that's a breaking ball? Well, because they can't. They're not you. But you saying that you had the death sentence, that is your own making. Do you know what your reputation was as a player? Now in the article, it says that you were ahead of your time when you had your lounge chair in the San Francisco clubhouse. That sleep was important to you. Practice, preparation. I'm not saying that you're not the greatest. What I am saying is you were not the greatest teammate and you knew it. You were not the greatest to the media and you knew it. You acknowledged it today in that article that you could have been nicer, that you could have had a sunnier disposition. You say that you're exiled, you feel exiled by the sport. You wonder why Alex Rodriguez has had the recovery that he's had. 
Do you think you would ever do a TikTok video the way A-Rod did? Coco, do we have the TikTok video on video ready to go? Do we have the TikTok video ready to go, Coca? We talked about it before the show. I'm not doing any more of the show. That's it. All right, fine. We'll keep going. Let's keep going, Coca. There was a show, TikTok. It's that new video thing. A-Rod. It's an app, whatever. A-Rod and, by the way, Coca, you'll be happy to know in a So You Want to Talk to Samson question, someone said to me, by the way, Quinn and the sneaker guy is what he was called, which means Ruben, and you, Coca, K-O-K-A, why don't you get a camera on them so their voices and faces can be shown when you're talking to them? Why is it they only talk to your ear or off camera? They want Ruben, who's the sneaker guy, Quinn, who sits across behind a camera, uh, who is phenomenal here at CBS Sports HQ, and you, Coca, they want you on camera. Because then I would call you on camera right now, and I would say to you, how do you not have that video? After we talked about it, it's a TikTok video where A-Rod and J-Rod Lowe, J, A-Lo and J, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez are dressed, he in a jacket and pants, she in a form-fitting white dress. She does a hugely sexy dance. They flip a switch. All of a sudden, she is wearing A-Rod's clothes, A-Rod is wearing that white dress, and A-Rod then does a slinky dance. I have no idea why it's getting attention. I found it to be not great to start with because A-Rod doesn't look good in white. He doesn't fill out that dress at all, and Jennifer's clothes were too big. And so they did this whole switch thing, and guess what? People are loving it, Barry. Why? Because they're being human. They're entertaining They're getting themselves out there. They're taking chances. They're being willing to be made fun of. Barry, you were never willing to do any of those things. You took it all so seriously that now you put your feet up in a clubhouse and wonder why in your mind you've had the death sentence, why in your mind you've been exiled. It's been clear as day to everyone in this industry why that happened. And it's not too late for you. You had that chance with us years ago. You have another chance every time the sun rises. Be better, Barry. Be better. Do you think Mark Wahlberg does steroids? Mark Wahlberg has the best body ever. And I look at him, and he's got, he's doing these workouts at 3.30 in the morning, and he's working out 10 times a day. He goes to bed at 7.30 at night. And he's got like, it's like the Panama Canal in between his pecs. I mean, it's just unbelievable. He's in a new movie on Netflix. And of course, part of every Mark Wahlberg movie is going to be a shirtless scene. That's the only reason I'm thinking about that. This is a movie straight for Netflix. It's called Spencer for Hire with Robert Urich. Anybody? One guy. Tully. Randy. Two of us. Three of us. Henry. Coke is saying Spencer for hire. What the hell is that? It's called Spencer Confidential is this movie. And by the way, our over the shoulder, it says music from the Netflix film Spencer Confidential. I'm not really sure that's the movie poster, Coca. Is it music? Isn't that possibly the album cover instead of the actual movie poster? Thoughts on that, Matthew? <laughs> it's not a movie poster. I know I'm not. <laughs> he 
just said I'm the only person who can read what's above my shoulder, and I can see it as clear as Roberta Flack singing Killing Me Softly with his hands. It says music from the Netflix film. So Spencer Confidential is a basic cop who goes to prison for beating up his superior. That's Mark Wahlberg. He comes out of prison, and he decides to be a gumshoe. This is Mark Wahlberg getting together with Alan Arkin, who is phenomenal as his, I don't know if it's his father or his father figure, but they get together and they start solving crimes. They're looking for dirty cops and there's drugs, everything you can imagine that is literally so, um, what, what is the word that I'm looking for, Coca? Ordinary, but that's not it. It's so run of the mill. It's so uh, expected. Um, I can't think of it. Pedestrian is a great word, not what I was thinking of, but it really is so pedestrian, this movie. Now, it's Netflix. The price is right. It's Mark Wahlberg, half naked, which always makes it positive. There's a plot that is anywhere between boring and impossible to believe that lasts for the entire hour and a half. The music, as you can tell from our over-the-shoulder, I can't even name one song from the music from the Netflix Netflix film Spencer Confidential. I'm going to tell you all to pass. That's right, pass. If you're looking for a Mark Wahlberg movie, I'm going to draw your attention to either Boogie Nights, how about The Three Kings with George Clooney? How about Instant Family? Yeah, I do the first two. Spencer, confidential. They're saying there's going to be a sequel. I hope not. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, we're doing a So You Want to Talk to Samson right now, and I thought this had passed, and it hadn't, and I'm getting to it immediately. There was a situation in Ottawa. Ottawa is a city. It's actually the capital. It's in Canada. Canada is the country in North America that we share. United States, Canada. Ottawa has one professional team. It's called the Ottawa Senators. They are the Miami Marlins of the NHL. 
They have very low revenue. They have no season ticket holders. The only difference is they have no championships, haven't won a Stanley Cup. I hope I'm right about that. They definitely haven't won two. My guess is they've won zero since I can't recall them winning. They have an owner there. His name is Eugene Melnick. Eugene Melnick is an owner who, whenever you read articles about the worst owner in sports, his name appears next to James Dolan and Daniel Snyder. I know what you're thinking. No, no. If you're a former owner of a team, you're not on any list, whether it's good or bad. You're off the list. Coke, are you checking if I don't want a Stanley Cup? What are you doing back there? Oh, they didn't? Well, you could have just said they didn't win one. It's like I'm speaking to myself. All right, I am going to keep going. So this owner basically hires and fires people like he's taking out the garbage. Two months ago, he hired a very good executive named Jim Little. Jim Little has great experience running companies, is a force in Ottawa and in Canada, and finally they believed that the fortunes would be turned, that the Ottawa Senators would finally become a real organization, taken seriously. They brought in a real executive. All Melnick had to do was let him do his job. So you want to talk to Zamson? The Ottawa Senators fired Jim Little after two months on the job. And the statement by the team was so crazy, can you please explain it? Well, it just so happens that's what I do here on Nothing Personal. I decode things that are said, and I tell you why they're so absolutely redonkulous. This is the statement. When the Ottawa Senators read the owner of the Ottawa Senators, dismissed Jim Little as the CEO after two months on the job. Unheard of. The board of directors announced, by the way, own it. Eugene Melnick, owner. I'm the owner. I decided. I decided. Put your name on the statement. Don't hide behind the board. Announced that Jim Little has been released from his duties as chief executive officer. So, whether you're writing in French or English or Japanese or Portuguese or Spanish, there's a few ways you can announce when you are shit-canning someone. You can say released from his duties. You can say fired. You can say terminated. You can say let go. I've used them all. Released from his duties? Not when it's your fifth CEO in five years. The decision was made as a result of conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Senators and the National Hockey League. Mr. Little's departure is effective immediately. I want to read it again. This is important. The decision was made as a result of conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Senators and the NHL. Hurry up. What do you think he did? When you read that someone got released of his duties because of conduct inconsistent with the core values, what are you thinking? Just say it. Say it. You're thinking sexual misconduct. You're thinking the Me Too movement. You're thinking pedophilia. You're thinking threesomes. You're thinking something sexual, deviant, bad. You're thinking cheating. Not on a spouse. I'm talking about in hockey. Making them making the ice cube pucks not frozen. Something bad. But you don't say what it is? Okay. Guess what? Let's see what Jim Little had to say in response. Because if you're Jim Little and you're not doing something like Harvey did or like Kevin Spacey did, 
then you're damn right you're coming out with your own statement. And Jim Little did come out with a statement as he should have. And his statement was perfect, on point, and showed why he should not be working with the senators because the senators and Melnick don't deserve someone like Jim Little. The statement made today by the team contains some language that deserves some clarification. Yes, it does. On Valentine's Day, which is weird, by the way, the owner and I had a personal disagreement over the approach that I had been pursuing. I am strong-willed. The disagreement included me using some very strong language with him over the phone, including swearing, which he did not appreciate and for which I later apologized. Let me get this clear, Jim Little. You had a phone call with your owner on Valentine's Day. Why, I don't know. Never call an owner on Valentine's Day, his birthday or his anniversary, ever, because you're going to piss off the woman in his life. And you need the woman in your owner's life to like you because the woman in the owner's life is actually the one in control of everything. Every decision that you think comes from Eugene Melnick, I got news for you, doesn't. Don't call on Valentine's Day. That's page four of the president's notebook. Anyway, he called Valentine's Day. Personal disagreement that included swearing. So Jim Little told his owner to F off. He told his owner to eat S. He told his owner to pound sand. That may not be a swear. I'm not sure what he told his owner. But if it involved a swear, did he call him an a-hole? All things that we've all thought to say to our bosses but never did. And if you would say that to your boss, would you get fired? Yes, you would. But in this case, Jim Little did not get fired because he told Eugene Melnick to F off. He got fired because Jim Little had a chance of actually succeeding at doing his job. And that would be way counter to what Melnick wants. God forbid, God forbid that anyone could help the senators other than the owner himself. God forbid anyone could get credit for helping the senators other than the owner himself. Well, I've been a part of sports for a long time, folks. And when you've got an owner that has that level of narcissism, that level of delusion, you are guaranteed to end your time in sports like Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley. Ringless. That's it for you, Melnick. So you want to talk to Samson. Hey, how about Joe Sy? Have you ever heard of him? He's rich, loaded. They did an announcement this weekend. I don't know if it's this weekend. Maybe it was last week. The Nets. He's the owner of the Nets. He's the one uh, who founded Alibaba. He's the one who's the billionaire who bought the team from that Russian oligarch. He owns the Nets. And he's the one who had uh, Kenny Atkinson as his coach and then fired him. And then the owner did something that is bizarre to me. The owner tweeted. <clears throat> now, owners tweeting is a new thing. I totally get it. It's normal. It happens. But why is it that the owner would do this? And I quote, I am extremely grateful to Kenny Atkinson for what he's done for our franchise over the years. If we did not have him, we would not be where we are with promising young guys still improving. All the best, Kenny. That's the tweet from the owner who just relieved Kenny Atkinson of his duties. Terminated him. S canned him. 
You're welcome, Mikey. You only have to beep one part, and it was about seven minutes ago. Why would Joe tweet that? Why would he release a statement that says, I'm grateful to Kenny? If we didn't have him, we wouldn't be where we are with promising young guys still improving. If you thought that, why did you fire him? I'm going to call it out again. Come on, owners. You can do it. Even in 250 characters, or however many Twitter allows these days, you can be honest with your fans. All you have to do is get your fingers, turn on your phone, and say the following. It became abundantly clear to me that Kenny Atkinson could no longer coach my team. The reason is that he had lost the confidence of the players, all of whom are signed to long-term deals. I can't get rid of all the players, so instead I have no choice but to get rid of the coach. I wish Kenny luck, I apologize, and I hope the next, next coach that we bring in has a chance to make Kyrie and KD happy. Now that's a tweet. And that's why Kenny Atkinson got fired. Okay. Pick of the day. I think I lost my last pick of the day. I was pretty sure that the Bucks were going to be plus one over the Lakers. Ruben, the sneaker got kicks guy. I think that's his Twitter handle. I forget it every time. Ruben talks kicks. Is that what it is? Ruben Talks Kicks, R-U-B-E-N-T-A-L-K-S, K-I-C-K-S, Ruben Talks Kicks. It's actually funny to read. It's all about shoes that I'll never own. Um, I need a raise. Given where CBS's stock is, I would say that raise is not coming today, unless my name is Tony Romo. So I had the Bucks. I had Giannis. Instead, it was LeBron showing me that he's still the best player in the league. LeBron is now going to win the MVP. That was my wait to see. I lost that one. I'm now 17 and 24. I'm taking the Jazz. Why am I taking the Jazz four and a half over the Raptors? Because my instinct tells me that the Raptors are going to win this game. And I'm going to now, until baseball season starts and I can start winning for you people, because I want you, actually, the best thing I could do for you is make sure you either fade me or don't play at all. But the reality is that the Jazz, four and a half over the Raptors. The Raptors coming off a game last night in Sacramento, schlepping all the way to Phoenix, to uh, Salt Lake City, dealing with everything that goes on in Salt Lake City, the altitude. I think it's a slam dunk for the Jazz, which is a guarantee that the Raptors win this game. So if I were you, I would take the Jazz or the Raptors. Okay, I would just take the Jazz for sure. I mean, you may want to take the Raptors because I'm taking the Jazz, but I have won 17 times. So I would just definitely take the Raptors. But I'm picking the Jazz. So my Jazz. Okay, wait to see. Just forget it. Just take neither. Take the Lakers over the Bucks, giving one. That would be my best pick of the day. Okay, NFL. We got some NFL news, and it's not about Dak Prescott. It's not about Jerry Jones, shockingly. Jerry, where are you? It's been like a week since you said something stupid that I can talk about and nothing personal. Now, the contract you offered, Dak, we're going to talk about. It's getting some attention, 33 large. Hold out for Russell Wilson, Dak. You can do it. Don't worry, there's no leverage against you because there's no such thing as the franchise tag. Don't be ridiculous. They'll never use that on you. So the NFL owners went public this weekend, and I wanted to talk to you about what that means. A bunch of them came out leaking, of course, because they would never put their name to it. They came out saying... 
I hope the players vote no for this collective bargaining agreement. To catch you up, the NFL owners voted yes on a new collective bargaining agreement. The players are now voting. There's 2,000 players, and they've got until Saturday to vote on this CBA. So six days from now, five days from now, whatever day today is, this coming Saturday. I don't even know what date that'll be. I think it'll be March 14th. So by March 14th, they have to decide whether they're going to vote for it. My way to see is that they will definitely vote for it, but I want to explain what the NFL owners were doing why they were leaking that they would vote no, why they want an 18-game season. The reason is they want the players to think that this deal is not as one-sided as it is. They want the players to think that if they don't vote yes for this one, that they will then go back to the table and get a worse deal. We talked about it on CBS Sports HQ today. Jack Flaherty of the St. Louis Cardinals did not accept what the Cardinals offered him. So the Cardinals said, you know what? I'm giving you 10 grand. Excuse me. Wow, that was on a live microphone without the cough button. I'm not sure if people heard that. That was some sort of a merp. I apologize. I may have it. I need some sanitizer. Stat. Okay, sorry. I'm back. If they vote yes, that's one thing. If the players vote no, they have to go back to the table and negotiate. And you know what happens sometimes? A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. The owners want the players to feel that if they don't vote yes, when they go back to the table, it's going to be worse. They're not going to have as much offered to them, which, by the way, is not true. It never works that way. But you make players think that. They get insecure. They don't want to miss a paycheck. They they want total labor peace. So they are going to vote yes. That's my obvious way to see. But what a brilliant move by the owners. Brilliant to leak out that they would prefer it to be a no. It was all planned. It's like on Survivor when you split the vote because you're worried someone has an idol. If the ownership had come out, just picture this for me, please. Let's pretend the NFL owners voted 32 to nothing in favor of the new CBA. How would you feel if you were a player? Would you maybe feel that you were being taken advantage of? Have you ever tried to settle a lawsuit and the people take your first offer? I mean, if you don't have experience in this, then congratulations. But if you do like I do, there's no worse feeling than someone taking your first offer, whether it's a player or a litigant or a child, anybody. Any first offer you want to be absolutely rejected when they accept it, it means you overoffered. So the NFL has been brilliant. They have been pointed in how they have gone about getting this CBA done. And it will end Saturday with a yes vote. Whether Aaron Rodgers likes it, whether the Pouncey Twins like it, whether Richard Sherman likes it. And by the way, the NFLPA is holding votes for a new president tomorrow as though that's going to make even an iota of difference for this CBA. And that Richard Sherman is not going to be the guy, but Eric Winston was the guy and now it's not the guy. Players don't care about that stuff. They care about one thing only. They're not reading 456 pages of the CBA. They're looking where it says money, payroll, what their salary will be. They'll look at the new president, whoever's elected, and they'll say, eh, for me, it was business. It was nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.